rejoice about this morning. Amen. Let's stand together. Turn to page one in your hymn book, if you would. Page number one. We'll sing verses two, three, and four together. The Lord our Savior reigns on that second verse. The Lord our Savior reigns, the God of truth and love. When he had purged our stains, he took his seat above. good to be in God's house. Amen. And good to rejoice in the goodness and grace of our God. I love uh, what we saw uh, in Ephesians a few weeks back. He is, he is rich in mercy and great in His love toward us. Amen. And uh, what a blessing there. Sure glad to have you uh, here uh, this morning. We just had a great time in Sunday school and looking forward to uh, the morning service and getting back into our study in the book of Romans and you guys all right over there? So just, uh, man, I'm telling you, things are going crazy up here. I don't know how it's out there, but uh, no, we're sure glad uh, you're here uh, this morning. Don't forget about, if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, uh, there's no school uh, tomorrow. And then, of course, at the end of the week, we have some games and things like that, as well as our ladies going to uh, the ladies' retreat there in Berean Baptist Church. But sure looking forward uh, to this morning. Let's pray this morning. Ask God's blessing on our uh, services I'm going to ask Brother Gary Clark. Him and Miss Doris are going to be celebrating 63 years in marriage uh, Tuesday. And so what a blessing. And so, Brother Clark, would you pray for us this morning? Let's all remain standing, please. Turn to page 192. Page 192, crown him with many crowns. We'll sing all verses this morning, page 192. 
crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake my soul and see Turn to page 335 now. <clears throat> page number 335. Aren't you thankful for the love of Christ this morning? Love lifted me. Sing it out on that first verse. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me now safe am i love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me love lifted me love lifted me Ever to him I cling, in his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best songs. Faithful love and service to, to him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. 
could help love lifted me as the instruments play let's get around and shake hands together this morning good to have each one of you here glad for our visitors that are with us this morning as well If you lost that page, we're going to sing that last verse. Souls in danger, look above. You know what, though? Jesus completely saves. Amen? And he still saves today. Let's sing it out on that last verse. Souls in danger, look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows his will obey. He your Savior wants to be be saved today. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Amen. Amen. Just before Brother Tim uh, comes and and does our uh, offering this morning, I also wanted to uh, mention this. If you would, uh, do pray for our uh, fall revival that's coming up uh, in the month of October. It'll be October the 2nd. Uh, through the 7th, our guest preacher is going to be Brother Ted Alexander. Of course, we support him as a church planner there at Bayview Baptist Church in Homestead, uh, Florida. But before that, he was in evangelism and just a real blessing and a great preacher, man of God, and so thankful for him and his family. And so we're going to be hosting that and, and uh, looking forward to him. And so we started uh, this morning, or supposed to be starting this morning, uh, fasting for our fall revival. I mentioned something about it Wednesday night, but it did kind of sneak up on us with just the busyness of everything around here. But do want to encourage you to participate in that. So every week we pick out something uh, that we fast from. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, like I think the second week we're going to fast from sweets. 
And so I'll probably be pretty grouchy because I can't have any Andy's frozen custard, amen, and have to pray a lot that week. Uh, but then uh, the next, uh, third week is meals, maybe a meal or something like that uh, that you would want to abstain from. But this week is your choice. And so maybe it's something in your life that you feel like gets too much of your time or something like that or has just a grip on you and you want to abstain from it this week and deny the flesh. And so, uh, again, do that and pray for Brother Alexander and pray uh, for the meeting. Of course, that Monday night, October the 3rd, and then Tuesday morning, October the 4th, be, be hosting the Midwest Baptist Preachers Meeting as well. And so that's men from Kansas and Missouri and Nebraska and Iowa, and so looking forward to that as well. Boy, it's just a blessing last year. And so we're going to do the same thing again this year and be able to minister to them and serve them and be a blessing uh, to them. And so just want to uh, remind you of that. Okay, Brother Tim, come on ahead. As men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. He says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Brother Jack Parker, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. It's one of my favorite songs, Redeemed by the Blood of the Lamb. If you're redeemed, say amen this morning. All right, then you can sing this next song with a smile on your face. It is well, it is well with my soul. Let's stand one last time, page 433. Page 433, sing it out on that first verse. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, what
sounding great this morning. We got to go back and sing verse three again. We've got to. That's my favorite for us. I love them all. I love this song. But I'm telling you what, when you start thinking about your sin and it's all pardoned by the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, how can you not get excited this morning? We've got to go sing it. We're going to go acapella on that chorus, all right? And just sing out to the Lord this morning on that third verse. My sin, oh the bliss. My sin, oh the bliss. Of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh. It is well. 
my soul. Somebody say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. Wonderful singing. You may be seated this morning. Just before the message, the ladies trio is going to come and sing this morning.
We're sure thankful for his, his long-suffering, amen, and his faithfulness. What a blessing this morning. Well, sure glad you're here uh, this morning and want to invite you to the book of Romans this morning in chapter uh, number two. And let's all stand in honor of God's word if you're, if you're able to stand this morning. And uh, book of Romans in chapter number two. And, and so we uh, finished our study in the book of Revelation and, and just have jumped back in the New Testament, if you will, to uh, the book of Romans. And just what a blessed... I love this book, and it's just such an amazing study and in-depth. Uh, and uh, But I'm telling you, the bottom line is this, is it's about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man needs to be saved, amen. And I'm telling you, before revelation ever takes place, you better make sure you're saved. And uh, so, uh, anyways, Romans chapter uh, number 2 this morning. And we're going to kind of, we're going to pick up in the middle of this chapter. And, and in a, if I could say it like this, a very in-depth a logical uh, argument that Paul is obviously making here through the Spirit of God. And so Romans chapter number 2, look with me if you would at verse number 12. The Bible says this, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. And again, you can look back at verse number 11 and find God is no respecter of persons. And so notice though verse 13 And notice the parentheses that takes place here. It says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Doesn't make any sense for you and I this morning to just hear the Word of God. You've got to apply it to your life and be obedient to it. And even in the New Testament with the gospel and those kind of things. But notice here in verse 14 it says, For when the Gentiles... All right, which have not the law, do by nature the things contain, contained in the law. These, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. And notice, it's, he begins to explain what that law is, that principle. It says, which showed the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile ex- accusing or else excusing one another. And then notice it says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Good stuff there. Going to preach a while right there. But look at verse 17 because really it goes on and it says, Behold, thou art called a Jew and restest in the law and makest thy boast of God and knowest his will and approvest the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind and a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Or that thou uh, abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast in the law, through the law dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. For the circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of law, shall not 
his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision, watch this, is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter who prays, whose praise is not of men but of God. Well, welcome to Faith Baptist Church where we scramble your eggs in your brain. A lot of stuff here going on, isn't it? But let me explain to you some things here very quickly if I can and then we're going to have a word of prayer and you can be seated. If you go back to Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 18, he begins to talk about the wrath of God being revealed from heaven. And really this becomes the focal point, if you will, of the Apostle Paul. We know that as man has suppressed the truth of God in unrighteousness and he begins to snowball in his immorality, this wrath of God is revealed. It happened during the flood. It was revealed from heaven. Rain began to fall down from the sky. For the very first time as God began to judge the earth. Is anybody catching this? In fact, it also happened in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. As fire began to rain down from heaven. And so we also know this though, that as we entered into chapter 2, though the subject of God's judgment was still at hand, the audience then began to change because Paul began to deal with the religious Jews because what happens is this, As man snowballs in his immorality, the religious moral crowd begins to exalt himself in his own self-righteousness. And so Paul then begins to confront the Jew to show them that they too will stand before the judgment of God because the reality is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Doesn't matter if you're a Gentile or a Jew, the standard for God's judgment is not other men. The standard for God's judgment is the truth of God's Word. That's the standard. And God God is no respecter of persons in His judgment. He doesn't have one set of rules for the Baptists and one set of rules for the Methodists and, and another set for... No, there's one set of rules. It's right here. And unless man lines up with this, he's out of boundaries with the rules and he's going to be found guilty before God. But this is what I want us to see this morning. The direction of the text begins to change. You see, in other words, it's, it's, it's no longer just about confronting the self-righteous of the religious or, or the immorality of the heathen. It's also about those things. But watch this. It's also about pointing both the Gentile and the Jew to Jesus Christ. Because you know the only thing that's going to help you to escape the judgment and wrath of God? It's Jesus Christ. But this this is what I found. All right, This is what I have found as a preacher and that's this. Before you can help somebody, sometimes you got to show them that they need help. And that's what Paul's going to do right here. I, I titled it this, Man's Need for the Gospel, but you got to understand you first need the gospel. And that's what Paul's going to do here. Let's pray. Ask God's help this morning. Father, would you bless the preaching this morning? And God, do again, Lord, just asking, Lord, 
that you would fill me with your spirit. Allow me to have clarity of my speech. And, and God, just help me this morning. I, there are so, certainly some deep things here, but I pray that when it's all said and done, that your word would be exposed. The Holy Ghost of God would take certainly what's given from your word. And God, deal with our hearts. Lord, I, I pray that every person in this room knows Christ as their Savior Lord, if not today, uh, Lord, uh, if they don't today, then let today be the day of salvation. And so God, speak to us, help us this morning, even us as people that are already saved. May we stay responsive in the message and paying attention. And God, and, and Lord, use us as a testimony to amen the preacher and, and to validate the truths that are given. And so help us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, when I uh, when I turned forty last week, obviously that was a joke, amen. So, not. but I did when I turned forty. Everybody kept telling me things were going to start changing physically, you know, just energy, metabolism, hearing. Huh? Eyesight? And I, and I look, I, I listened to all of it. I just didn't believe any of it. And to be honest, things were going good until about 45. So that just shows you I am above average. <laughs> but things did start getting a little fuzzy on the computer screen. And the words on my Bible and in the hymnal, they started getting... A little blurry, but but you need to understand this. That wasn't me. It was the font. It's the font. It's too small. So instead of of buying a a bigger Bible or a Bible with a bigger font, of course, you'd have to have a bigger Bible. You're going to have a bigger font. I've met some of you have Bibles like this. Got your family Bible off the coffee table and brought it to church. Amen. But instead of doing, you know, I, I, I did, I went and got some reading glasses, but, but it's, it's still not me, it's, it's the font. But finally, things continued declining, and so my wife slash secretary made me an appointment with the optometrist here in town, and so I went in and I started doing all their, their little tests. I remember the first one was, you had to put your head in this little uh, vice thing and put your forehead up here, and there was a screen right there. And so she said, you know, close your, close your right eye. And then every time your left eye sees a, a dot on the screen, hit the, the little thing. And I, you know, and then do it with your, you know, your, your left eye and hit the, you know, and, and hit the, and I'm just sitting there thinking, I see spots all the time. <laughs> and then, you, you know, I, the, the, this was the real kicker though, the one that got me because I went into the room and then the doctor comes in and she's got this you know, this big spoon. And so she says, okay, I want you to put the spoon over your right eye and then I want you to read that chart up there on the wall. And so I started reading the top letters that were about like that big, past that, no problem. Got on down and just kept going down and going down, got all the columns. And I'm like, man, I, this, I, I knew it. It wasn't me. It is the font. And then she said, now take the spoon and cover your left eye and read that same column. I think it was number five. And I went, I can't see that. Oh. It's not me. It's the font. 
no, it was me. And I walked out of there with a prescription for eyeglasses, and as you can tell, I still don't wear them because I'm still somewhat in denial. The reason I'm telling you all of that is because that's kind of the way man's pride works. I don't need help. Men, we don't need directions. We have the sun to guide us by day and the stars by night. Pull over and ask for directions. I don't need directions. It's not me. I'm fine. It's others. And sometimes we have to be clearly shown that the problem really rests with us. And, and, and you, under, you understand, friend, listen, man's pride can work the same way about physical things, and it can also work that way about spiritual things. And really that's the idea of our text this morning. I want to point out something that's very interesting to you. It's going to take us a little while to get here, but I... I just want to encourage you to kind of stay with me here and just chew on this, if you would, a little bit this morning. But I want, to just, I want you to notice that throughout this chapter, how, the, how, if I could say it like this, the parameters of God's judgment continues to progress throughout this chapter. All right, and let me show you what I mean by that. Look at verse number 2. Because we saw this last week, because Paul, of course, in the context of verse number 1, where the Jews were judging themselves to be better than others based upon the immorality of the Gentiles. But he says this in verse number 2, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Now, so he says this, that the judgment of God is according to truth. Now, now again, I realize we're living in a day where, where people will say something along this lines. Truth is sub- subjective. In, in, other words, in other words, you have your truth and I have my truth. And so those truths may differ from one another depending on your background or your circumstances of life. And so because truth is subjective, there, there is no absolute truth. But you need to understand this morning that that is nothing more than a lie of the devil. You understand, there is an absolute truth. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus also said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. See, there is something eternal. There is something infallible. There is something inerrant. There is something by which all men are going to be judged by God according to, and that is Truth. It's truth. Word of God. Is anybody catching that? Hmm. In fact, go down to verse number 6 because it also says this, who will render to every man according to his deeds. So here's another parameter. God's judgment will also be according to men's deeds. In other words, watch this, not what he says he is, but what he actually does. Now why do you say that, preacher? Well, here's why. Even according to the context, that can be two very different things. Yeah, 
It's very easy to give an appearance of something in public while being something completely different in private. And you, might, you and I must understand that, that, watch this, that who you are and what you do in your private life, catch this, that's the real you. That's the real you. And that's the things that man is going to give an account. I'm, listen, I, you and I know this, that, that we are living in a day and time where it's very easy to give others a perception of yourself that is vastly different from reality. Just watch social media. Yeah. And people talk out of both sides of their mouth. And they claim to... They claim the name of Christ on one hand, but yet the way that they live in their personal life is vastly different from the Bible and what Christ said to do as one of His children. I mean, listen, even, even in death nowadays, it just, listen, it seems like everyone is saved and everyone goes to heaven when they die. And so now, well, you know, now there are guardian angel looking down on us from heaven. And while, and while that might give you some comfort in death, my friend, that is vastly different from what the Bible says heaven is like. Not a guardian angel, that's a bunch of baloney. Their soul is with Christ. They're not worried about what's going on down here on earth. They're centered on Christ and what's going on in heaven. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm trying to be Bible. Because, well, watch this, because it does declare that we, are, we will be judged according to our deeds regardless of what we claimed or what we tried to get others to perceive about, about us. And we need to know that there are no special set of rules because you're an American. Well, you know my family name. I get a pass on some things. Not really. No, God is no respecter of persons. Am I getting this this morning? No, no, look, look because look, look, watch, watch what happens. See, see, you have those two parameters, according to truth, and then according to His deeds. But look at verse number 16 of our text. It says this, In the day, <laughs> in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men, there's the private life again. Come on, there's the private life. But he says this, by, so here's what men are judged by, by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Come on, the parameter changed a little bit, didn't it? No, 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 it's not that it's different from what's already been given. I'm just saying it's, it's progressing in its parameters. It's bringing you from, from not just the entirety of the Word of God and not just your deeds and the things that you do in your private life, in your secret. See, now it's getting specific in saying this, that man will be judged by my gospel. I like that he says my gospel. I, I, I like, be, be in fact... I think we ought to spend a little time right there for you and I to understand this because when Paul says my gospel, please catch this, that doesn't mean it originated with him. That's not what it means. No, it originated with Jesus Christ. But it was given directly to him. And it's to ensure, it's to ensure that you have your faith in that gospel and not someone else's. In fact, take your Bibles there and just hold your place there in the book of Romans. We'll get back to it here in about an hour. 
and go to Galatians in chapter number 1. I just I want you to see something here. Galatians in chapter number 1. So you go through Romans and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and you get to the book of Galatians in chapter number 1. And just let's do a little Bible study on this my gospel thing right here. This, this is interesting. So verse number 11 of chapter number 1 of Galatians. You there? Look, look at what it says. He said, now this is Paul writing to the, to the churches that were in the region of Galatia, hence the name Galatians. And he says this in verse number 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I, re- I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Come on, Paul, Paul would, would go on here to, to explain that, that revel, this revelation or this revealing by Jesus Christ. Now, now we know this, that in Acts chapter 9, and I hit this on Wednesday night, had no idea it was going to be in the message this morning, kind of tells us maybe God wants to get us, get us, us to get a little something. But in Acts chapter 9, we know this, Paul was confronted by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He got saved but he was also made blind at the moment, seeing Christ in his glory. He would go on to Damascus, and he would be baptized, and he would also receive his sight back again. But watch this, but once once he was baptized and received his sight, he would begin preaching this gospel. Now watch this, now look down at verse number 17 and 18, same chapter. He says, Neither went I up to Jerusalem... So this is when he went to Damascus, he says, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. So what Paul is saying right here, now watch this. He says, after going to Damascus and getting baptized and receiving my sight and beginning to preach the gospel, I didn't go immediately back to Jerusalem where I came from. I went into Arabia, into the desert. He spent some time with Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. And then he would go back to Damascus and then eventually go back to Jerusalem. So, so now watch this. See, see, what I'm saying to you is this, is that Paul received this gospel directly from Jesus Christ. In fact, same point Paul is making here in Galatians. The same point he's making it in Romans by calling it my, my gospel. It's to be clear that there is, watch this, there is one gospel. And it originated with Jesus Christ. Because he is the gospel. In fact, look at verse 6 and 7 of the same chapter. Stay with me now. I know, I know, well, I'm preacher, you're preaching out of a whole other book now. Just, just hang on. He says, I marvel. That ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto, what is that? Another gospel. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the saints in Galatia had been led astray by the tyrannical Jews who came among them telling them that they must keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. And what Paul's saying is this, that's another gospel. But I love what he says in verse 7. Be a fact. It's not really another, it's a perversion. Because there's not another. There's only one. And anything outside of that one gospel is a perversion. Okay, 
So what's the gospel? Oh, I'm glad you asked that one too. You guys are just, man, you're working right along with me. Let's go back, go back to 1 Corinthians 15. All right, so you're in Galatians, so go back, 2 Corinthians, and then back one more to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, I know, I know, I know it's got 58 verses in it, but we're not going to preach all that. But look at what happened. Look at verse number 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. So he's fixing to tell them the gospel. Be be fact, look at what he says. It's the same gospel. He says, I, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. So he's saying, I'm going to rehearse the message that I preached unto you and that you received, and wherein ye stand. Look at verse number 2. By which also ye are saved. So here's the message he gave him. Look at verse number 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Who do you receive it from? Jesus Christ. Look at what he said. He says, this is what I received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. There's the Gospel. The death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Watch this. According to the truth. That's the gospel. Oh, preacher, I know. Yeah, but just watch. Just stay with me. Because even, even here, we're warned about false gospels. Look at what he says in verse number two. See, I didn't skip that on purpose. I'm going somewhere. Because he says, by which ye are also saved. But notice this phrase. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, Unless you have believed in vain. So, so what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means that if they've changed this message of the gospel somehow, then their faith is vain. You know what that means? That means empty. I said it's empty. That means it's not going to rescue them from the judgment and the wrath of God that's going to be revealed from heaven. Wouldn't you agree with me that that if it's this gospel message that we're going to be judged by, and that it's going to rescue us from the judgment and the wrath of God, then don't you think it would be of the utmost importance that we get it correct? I mean, all eternity hangs in the balance here, doesn't it? So, so that means this, that we would make sure that, that it needs to be the right person. Come on, that, no, 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 it's not Mary. I said it's not Mary, and it's not the Pope. Hey, it's, it's not even the pastor. I, I, can't save, I can't save anybody. And it's not some other religious saint, and it's not through Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius. or Listen, there's no other gospel or, or other New Testament according to Joseph Smith and the Mormons. No, G- Jesus made it clear. I said, Jesus made it clear when He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Be in fact, His apostles, His apostles made it clear when they said, neither is there salvation in any other. 
For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. My friend, I'm telling you, there's only one that rose from the dead. There's only one that has the authority to grant forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And His name is Jesus Christ. It's His gospel. It's His name. But couldn't we also say this? It also must be received the right way. I mean, even, even here in 1 Corinthians 15, couldn't we say this, that not, that not only was the deciding factor here the substance of the message, the death and the burial and the resurrection, but it was also the reception of it through believing. Unless you have believed in vain. This means that some baptism or christening on a baby doesn't make that person saved and delivered from God's judgment. Nor does some church confirmation or church membership or partaking of the Lord's Supper or communion, nor does living a moral life or even a religious life, hence chapter 2 in Romans. The only way, listen, the only way to receive this gospel is by faith. It is to humble ourselves as a sinner and come to Jesus Christ asking to be forgiven. For by grace are you saved through faith. And then not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Be a fact, even in Romans in chapter number 10, Paul will conclude it in 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Preacher, I thought this was a study in Romans. It is. We're getting there. And I, I realize I've spent some time on this, but, but here's why. It's because according to verse 16 of the text we're looking at in Romans chapter 2, mankind will be judged according to this message of the gospel and what he or she did with it in their life. So I would say to you, it's pretty important that we get some things correct. Even the Lord Jesus said this, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the Son, uh, name of the only begotten Son of God. So, so you understand. Now watch this. Man's cure, man's cure for his sin problem. It's the gospel. It's to receive it by faith. It's to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Is everybody getting this? In repentance toward God and faith in Him. That's man's cure. This is the only cure. I said it's the only cure. But this is what man does. It's not me. It's the font. No, no, I'm talking about spiritually speaking. I, I, I'm good. I'm a good guy. I, I, I'm a good lady. I, I'm a good worker. It, it, it's, it's not me. It's, it, I, I, I'm okay. I don't, listen, be, be fact... Man will even go to the extent of saying this. Listen, preacher, there, there is no truth. 
There, there is no God. But then Dr. Paul walks in with a spoon out. And he says, I want you to cover this eye. And let me show you some things. Is everybody getting this? I mean, not literally. Because here's what he says. He says this. This is in our text. If you're a Gentile, your conscience bears witness against you. That you are created in the image of God. And you're a sinner. Look at what he says. Let's, let's get in the text here. See, it didn't take us that long, not even an hour. Did pretty good. But look at what he says. Look, look, at, look at verse 12 of our text. He says, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. But now watch the parentheses here. He says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. Now, I I realize this, and you need to know this too, and I think we would all agree with this, that in the context, Paul is obviously still dealing with the religious Jews to show them that they too are sinners. That's what he's talking about. You can't just be a hearer of the law, you've got to be a doer of it. That's what he's talking about. And, and so, yeah, yeah, but, but one of the proofs, watch this, but one of the proofs that he's going to use to show them that they're not as perfect as they think they are is to look at the Gentiles. Now, sure, there are some Gentiles. In fact, I would have said during those days and times that the multitude of Gentiles have snowballed into immorality like that of chapter 1. However, Paul begins to point out that there were some Gentiles who though they didn't have the Word of God and the law of Moses, they still lived a fairly moral life. In other words, they had some some of the same senses of what was right and what what was wrong as the Jews did who had the law of the Word of God. In fact, he says this in what we just read there in verse number 14. He says, For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, or a law unto themselves. So they're they're doing it naturally or by their own nature, doing things that are given in the law. I mean, there's listen, there's lost people out there that would say this, I I don't steal. That's not right. It's in the law. I I don't, you know, I'm trying not to lie. It's in the law. I, I, you know, I'm not going to commit adultery and I'm going to stay married. It's in the law. It's in the law. Come on, I'm just telling you. And, and, and be a fact, be a fact, he, he goes on, he goes on to explain. Look at verse 15. He says, which show the work of the law written in their heart, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So, so this, this spiritual law or this principle that he talks about in verse 14 of the Gentiles. Doing, doing the law of God, even though they don't have it, not only does it show that the Jews are not as righteous as they think they are, but also this shows us that all of mankind, every one of us, have the law of God written upon our heart. 
It's called the conscience. The conscience. And it's through this conscience that he says that even the Gentile, it's, a, it's accusing or excusing. It bears witness against him. Oh, come on, listen, don't, don't let me, I hope, hope you're not fasting from caffeine like Brother Quinlan, don't you? Stay with, stay with me, because here, what, I'm just telling you, this is so important, this is so vital, listen to this, because the generation in which you and I are living in, especially in Western culture, has bought into the lie of evolution. And their main stay is this, there is no God. Now I'm going to tell you something this morning. We could sit here all morning and argue about creation versus evolution. And what, what, what really gets me is that evolution is constantly changing their parameters so that they can maintain their lie. You, you understand that? And i got to be honest with you, re- regardless of where you're at, it takes a whole lot more faith to believe in evolution than it does that cre- God created all things. It really does. I mean, you've you got to be... But regardless of creation and evolution, if you have an atheistic mindset, you have two major questions that you have to answer in your heart. Number one is this. What are you going to do with an empty tomb? The gospel. I said, what are you going to do with an empty tomb? Oh, oh, and I, I know you could say the same thing that the Jews were saying when it happened. Somebody stole his body. But you know my problem with that is that you now have 11 men who have witnessed all this. And, and every one of them died for the faith. Now watch this. You, you have to think that if someone stole the body out of 11 guys knowing this and a multitude of others knowing this, by the way, I mean, even in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that over 500 brethren saw him. I mean, you're talking about the 120 gathered together in Acts chapter 1 who witnessed all of that and saw the resurrection. Now watch this. Now I'm just telling you, please catch this, that if somebody took the body and stole it and buried it, don't you think that sooner or later somebody would have spilled the beans? Look 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 at man today. Man can't keep a secret, much less 11. Or 511. Somebody would have sooner or later said something. Or here's the other thing. I mean, how could this 11, then, then you have 12 with the Apostle Paul, and again you have 500 in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 15 that were mentioned. How, how could these apostles have all been persecuted for the faith and, and all of them die for the faith, save John, who was also tarred and feathered and banished to the Isle of Patmos. How come it is none of them, in under that intense persecution and even dying for the gospel, how come none of them recanted their faith to save their own skin? None of them did. I said none of them did. That's a pretty powerful testimony. I'm just saying to you that, that, I mean, you understand, out of all of that multitude that saw the Savior and witnessed His resurrection 
and were persecuted for it. All of them died, gave up their own life because of what they believed and understood to be true. Now, I'm just telling you, friend, that right there is huge validation of the truth that there is a God and that He sent His Son to die who was buried and rose again the third day. But in case you still have excuses or reasoning, then the second thing you've got to answer is your conscience. And the fact that God created you in, in His own image and wrote His law on your heart. You know what your conscience is, don't you? That's, like, that's your moral guide. It's, it's the internal knowledge or judgment or discernment of what is right and what is wrong. Now, now, you and I know this, that according to the Scriptures, the Bible says this, your conscience can be weakened. Well, how is it weakened? Well, when you watch others do something that you know not to be right, but you see them do it, and so you begin to justify it and go, well, if they're doing it, I'll do it, and thus you've weakened your conscience. It can also be, it can be defiled, the Bible says. Do you know what that means? That means where your conscience tells you what is right and what is wrong. Well, to defile it means you get those things mixed up and you begin to call that which is right wrong and that which is wrong right. We have a cool word today that, that really is basically that. It's called woke. That's right. I knew I'd make you mad sooner or later. But how true that is. I said how true that is. Do you know this? A conscience can also be seared. That, that means this, that they can get to the point where it doesn't even matter if they're doing what they knew to be wrong, they don't even care anymore and it doesn't even bother them. Boy, I'm telling you, that's a dangerous place to get in. It's a dangerous place. But that's what your conscience is. It's inside of you. It's the law of God written upon your heart. You know what it does? It shows you. It shows you that you're guilty. I, I, always, I always share this story about conscience and I, because it, it's just so real in, in my life. And I, I know many of you have heard it, some of you hadn't, but when, when I was a, a, a smaller kid, I, I can't remember how old I was, probably six, seven, eight years old, something like that, maybe even a little bit older than that. Man, I, lo- I loved baseball. I, I still do. I just wish the Royals played better. They're getting there. But right now they're making me hate it. But I, I'm telling you, I grew up playing baseball, and I loved it. And I loved, base, I loved baseball cards. I loved baseball cards and rookie cards. And you got a pack of gum in the pack that you could throw and injure somebody with. It was so hard, like a ninja throwing star. I loved it. And i never forget one time I was, as a kid, I went with my grandma to, the, to the, far, the local pharmacy there in the little town I grew up in, in the Panhandle of Florida, and so Grandma was back there in the back talking to the pharmacist, and I stayed over in kind of the kids' section, and they had all the games and things like that, and they, but they had a whole section of baseball cards. I really want a pack of baseball cards. And I'm pulling out my pockets, and I got no money in them, and I'm like, man, I really want a pack of baseball cards. And so I'm looking down the aisle, and there's nobody looking that way, and I'm looking down the aisle, and there's nobody down there. And so I grab one of them pack of baseball cards, and I stick it in my back pocket. 
And the whole time I'm telling myself, I'd be okay if somebody says something, we get up to the register, I'll just pull out and go, oh yeah, I was going to pay for it. We went up to the register, nobody said anything, Grandma got her prescription, we started walking out the door and I'm out in the parking lot. Nobody's coming. I got in the car. We started driving out of the parking lot and going down the road. Now you'd have thought, man, you got away with it. Ah, further down the road you start driving, the better you feel you got away with it. Do you know this? That's not at all what happened. You know what happened? I started sinking down in that seat. I thought I was going to throw up. I was so, I felt, listen, I felt so guilty. Do you know this? I wasn't going to church. I wasn't saved. That wasn't the Holy Spirit convicting me. Not saying He doesn't convict. He does. But I'm just saying, that was, you know what that was? That was my conscience. That was my conscience telling me, listen to this, telling me I had just broken the law of God written upon my heart. You know the one in Exodus 20 that says, Thou shalt not steal. man today talk about there is no God his laws written in your own heart that's right my friend I'm telling you I praise God that at the age of 20 I got under conviction Holy Ghost conviction because there is a God and Jesus Christ did rise from the dead and I got on my face and I called upon him in salvation and he saved me and I am no longer appointed to the wrath of God according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and I'm telling you this morning, you can be here and you can be a Gentile and you can deny that there is a God, but your own conscience bears witness against you that there is a God, you're created in His image, and you've broken His law, therefore you need to be saved. Amen. It's the only way you're ever going to escape the judgment of God. You know, Dr. Paul, son, he pulled that spoon out. Gentiles, read that chart right there. It says, I am guilty all right Jews you take the spoon put it over your left eye oh man I can't see it. I see men as trees walking right now <laughs> they should have just gave me a patch that would have been cool wouldn't it some of you I'd never lose your attention then give out with a hearty R. Look at, verse number, look at verse number 17. You with me? You all right? Stay with me. I'm, I'll, it'll close pretty quick, but just stay with me. Look at verse number 17. He says, Behold, thou art called a Jew. So he brought about the, the parameter of judgment in verse 16. According, God's going to judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ and His gospel. And he says, Behold, thou art called a Jew, and rest us in the law, and make us thy boast of God, and know us His will. And approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that thou, that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, and a light of them which are, which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which, which has the form of knowledge, and of the truth of, of God. So, so after dealing with the Gentiles and their conscience, Paul returns to the main thought of having brought all of this up, and that's the Jews and their, and, and their hypocrisy. The Jews, and he points this out, the Jews knew who God was, knew who He is. They, they had His Word, they had the law, and they were to help, them, help, 
help those who didn't know God or understand the things of God to discern what was right and what was wrong to further build on the conscience the law of God upon the hearts of men. They, 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 were, they were to be using this to help the spiritually blind and lost. That's what Paul's talking about right here. That's what your job is. You even say it is. But then he gives them, well, I like what Brother Sorensen called it, the coup de grace. That means the death blow. <laughs> That's a nice way, coup de grace. That's a nice way of saying the death blow, right? Look at verse 21. He says, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou not steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Uh, abhorrest idols, dost thou not commit sac- or dost thou commit sacrilege? They, uh, thou that makest the boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. See, these are the secret sins of the Jew from verse 16. And publicly they taught men to steal, but privately they robbed God of His tithes. And in public they taught not to commit adultery, but privately they lusted in their heart toward the opposite sex. In private, they chased after idols and dishonored God. And in verse 24, Paul concludes their hypocrisy as as Isaiah diagnosed in his day, they too were blaspheming God among the Gentiles in their day. Because they preached one thing in public and they lived another way in private. And that, my friend, is the absolute definition of hypocrisy. Come on, doesn't it show you and me as children of God this morning? The great responsibility that we have to live godly lives? Come on, you may, be the Bi- you may be the only Bible that those around you might read at work. But at the same time, it must be a genuine life. I said a genuine life. We have no right to exalt ourselves and look down at others around us. Because it's not about them looking to you. It's about you looking to Jesus Christ and then helping them see Jesus Christ. Because both are sinners and both need Jesus Christ. But but this is the Jews. This is the religious but lost. He came into his own and his own received him not. And, And this too can be man today. Listen to this. Even in the realm of Christianity. Religion. Religion, whether it be Eastern or Western culture. I'm just telling you, the majority of the time, it prides itself in, its, in, in discipline. Morality. You know, you need to be a better you. Well, let me tell you what Paul says in Romans 7. In me dwelleth no good thing. Because it's not about you being a better you. I need to be a better version of myself. No, you don't. You need to be saved and become like Jesus Christ. You can exercise all the discipline, self-discipline you want, but in the end, listen to this, if that's all you've got is discipline, you're still a hypocrite in one shape, way, or the other. Because you're a sinner. (laughs) I love the story of C.H. Spurgeon, an old-time English preacher over in England, and, and he went to a preacher's meeting, 
and he sat down there, and I guess it was an evening time service, and he sat down, and the guest preacher got up, and he started preaching, and he started talking about his personal life and how he had gotten so close to the Lord that he had not sinned. No longer sinned. The next morning, Spurgeon stayed at a hotel that night, and he got up the next morning, and he noticed that same guy that was preaching the night before was down in the hotel lobby partaking of the continental breakfast that they offered back then. Come to find out, they had sedate in the same hotel room. And so C.H. Spurgeon snuck up behind him and took a pitcher of milk and poured it over the guy's head. And the guy jumped up in anger and began to curse Spurgeon up and down. And Spurgeon very graciously set the pitcher down and looked at him and said, Hypocrite. And walked off. Listen to me. You're never going to get to that place. There's no such thing as being sinless. I said there's no such thing. No, 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 no. We can all learn to sin less. But you're never going to reach that place. You know why? Because you're a sinner. Even the Jew can't do it. You can have the law, but you understand, no man can keep the law. Even James said that if you break one point of the law, you're guilty of breaking all of it. Because man is a sinner who needs to be saved. And you can be here this morning and puff your chest out and exalt yourself in your religion and your piety and all of those things. But deep down, you know it and I know it, you're a hypocrite because everybody is, because everybody's a sinner and everybody needs to be saved. Yeah. I'm a Gentile and I can't see out of this eye. I'm a Jew. This one's really bad. And you know what the answer to all of it is? Whether you be a Jew or a Gentile, it's this right here. Because that's how he closes it out. It's it's not about the letter of the law. A real Jew is one inwardly in his heart. And in his spirit. Everybody catching this? And he's got a heart towards God. That's why Paul would say this. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Everybody catching this? With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You know, circumcision, it's pretty interesting. It's the identity, it's the identity of the people of God in the Old Testament. It's just like baptism in the New Testament. Baptism is the identity of the people of God in the New Testament. Watch watch this though. But if you get salvation and baptism mixed around, or all you have is baptism, you're not in line with the things of God. And you still stand in danger of God's judgment. I never forget we had a church planner one time when I was pastoring in Cassville and we was hosting him. And Brother Steve, and I can't remember his last name for some reason. My mind's just gone blank on it. But him and his family were called to be church planters up in the northeast in, in the state of Maine. And he was just an old Tennessee guy and he was giving his testimony in the service that morning and was talking about his salvation. He grew up in a Methodist home and when he was a kid he got a confirmation. He got a confirmation letter. He said, I had the letter and everything. I had it on a plaque on the wall, confirmation. I've been confirmed. I'm going to heaven. You know, he grew up in that, in that home, in that religion. 
got to be a teenager. He started getting into some things. And, you know, by the time he became an adult, got out of church and out of, you know, going there and, you know, religious things and things like that. And just, you know, started ha- got married, started having kids. And boy, things just started really getting bad at home. Because when you don't have God at home, things are going to get bad. I said, when you don't have God at home, things are going to get bad. And so he had this guy that was working with him who was a Baptist. You got to watch them Baptists, man. I'm... <laughs> and he started inviting him. Man, won't you come to church? Man, won't you come to church? Why, why don't you come? Bring your family. Yeah, come on. We're having a revival this week. Come on, man. Come on. And so he finally went to church. He said, man, the man of God got up. He said, it wasn't Methodist. So that guy got up there and started preaching. He went like past lunch. He's just preaching away, preaching the Bible, telling people they're sinners and they need to be saved. And the only way to be saved is with repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, man, I went home and looked at that confirmation letter and said, I'm all right. Went back again. Kept preaching again. He said, the Word of God just kept... And he finally got on his face and put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. You know why? Please catch this. Because all this confirmation and all this nonsense and intellectual mumbo jumbo out here, it ain't going to save anybody. That's right. It's not going to rescue you from the judgment of Almighty God. The only thing that can is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And whether you are a Jew or a Gentile or a Lutheran or a Methodist or a Catholic or a Baptist or whatever... You better be saved by grace through faith. It's the heart that believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That's what saves a person. And if you're not saved this morning, you need to be saved. You never put put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Here's Paul, the optometrist, putting the spoon over an eye and going, you're blind. But you can see this morning if you'll come to Jesus Christ. Let's all stand.